Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What's up, ladies? How many of you wore heels tonight? Don't you love standing on a slanted floor for 30 minutes? Isn't that your favorite thing on the planet? I'm not even wearing heels, and I feel your pain already. So I'm going to have you stand. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm really excited. I Actually, if I, if I could be honest, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I really am. I, I think that what God is up to in the lives of women across the nation, and, and specifically the lives of women here in Orange County, and in our church and the great churches that are represented, I think God's up to something big. I, I've believed for a few years now that the next wave of what God wants to do in our nation is going to come because of amazing women who are leading the way. Can I get an amen from some awesome, half of you are excited. The others of you are like, just get on with it. And some of you are trying to figure out what's on my shirt. It's popcorn or roses, depending on which side of your brain you utilize. And I really am excited to, uh, to be here. You know what, you, you need to know that you have this amazing power in the lives of men. Some of you realize it, some of you don't. But without you, we're done. Like, without Megan, I can't even. I, oh, now we get a hand clap. Yeah. Now, without my wife, I can't. I'm like, I'm out. One, one time, legitimately, she asked me, hey, babe, I need you to go downstairs, and I need you to make Brooklyn a sandwich, peanut butter and honey. We're going to go to school, go downstairs, make her a sandwich, peanut butter and honey, apple slices. And after that, whatever she said, I forgot because I'm like two, two details in and I'm out. I get downstairs. Why are you laughing now? That wasn't a joke. <laughs> I get downstairs and I find the bread. I find the peanut butter and I can't find the honey. I'm like, babe, I don't know where the honey I'm like yelling. I'm in this quandary in a panic because I can't find the honey for the peanut. She told me to do a peanut butter and a, a honey sandwich. I have the bread. I have the peanut butter. Babe, there's no honey. And I'm in this panic. Like, what am I so, what else could possibly go with peanut butter? She goes, just use the jelly. I was like, oh. <laughs> it just makes so much sense now. And Megan. You are the honey to my peanut butter. <laughs> I want you to know that I love you and I'm so proud of you and I'm grateful for you. And not only me, but what you do to empower women and, and people in general. Can we do me a favor? Would you give it up for this amazing woman? Come on. I, I want to share a few things. I've, I've, I've been kind of working on a few things. I want to share a few thoughts with you and they told me I was going to get up here 10 minutes ago, so I guess I have like less time to preach now. So I might just go long because I feel like the ladies don't care. Guys, are, are the time they get here, they're just checking their watch, like when do we go home? But I want to share a few thoughts, and here's what I want to do. I, I want to share a few thoughts. Five, I, I, the title of this message is Five Thoughts, Five Things That I Think Every Woman Should Know. And I'm not trying to act like I am the most profound individual on the planet, but I, I actually believe God's given me something specifically for you tonight. And here's the thing, you might know some of these things, but all of us in this room, we know how to be smart with our finances. We know how to actually build and follow a budget. We know how to eat healthy. We know how many calories are on everything, and we know how to live healthy, make sure we take care of our soul. Yet at the same time, we're the most in-debt, overweight, over-medicated people group in the history of mankind. Why? Because we have knowledge, but we lack understanding. We lack understanding. And maybe of the five things I shared tonight, you've got four of them down. Awesome. That's great. But I, 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 you may not even need all five things, but I believe that of the things that I'm going to share, at least one of them is for you specifically. And there's something about an atmosphere like this that's charged with energy and charged with anticipation. And at the end of that, I'm going I'm to pray for you. And, but I just want to ask that over the next few moments that while we're together, that you and I will lean into the Holy Spirit. And, and let, let's raise our expectation to just see what it is that God can do. And even if you're here and you don't know what it is that you believe, you, you've never been more welcome in your life. Permission to belong before you believe. 
But what if for 30 minutes we just raised our level of expectation and said, God, what do you want to speak to me? Not my neighbor, not my friend, not the person I brought with me, not the person who brought me here, but just me. What do you want to say? I believe we can do that. God's going to do something amazing. The verse that I've been leaning into this entire year for 2019, the, the verse that I'm holding on to is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No one has ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as a Imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. And I believe that's what God wants to do is something that's going to blow your mind. Not because I have something to share with you, but because the king of kings, the creator of the heavens and the earth, took a moment and you took a moment out of your weekend schedule and said, okay, I'm going to check out Laguna Hills High School and see what God's up to. Can we, can we pray for a moment? Raise our faith and expectation. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're up to something big, something bigger than we could imagine, something greater than we could ever expect, God. And right now, we just open our hearts and our, our minds and our ears to hear and see and receive, God, whatever it is that you want to do. We don't want to leave here the same. We don't want to return to the mundane, to the ordinary. God, we believe you're an extraordinary God who does extraordinary things in ordinary people. So God, tonight, that's our level of faith and expectation. To move miraculously in and through us right here, right now, in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. turn to your neighbor and say, you look good tonight. <laughs> turn to your second choice and say, no, you look better. It's okay. I, I want to share five things, and it, I'd encourage you to take notes, and as you're listening, maybe if the, the Holy Spirit begins to speak something to you, to jot that down. And my first thought really is the catalyst for why I wanted to share, and I, I feel almost like a personal mandate on my life to, to bring this specific message to women, and that is, number one, that you have nothing to prove here. You don't need to prove your own worth. God bless me with an amazing, strong wife. And I am not a passive individual. We are both strong-willed. Y'all pray for her. She needs Jesus. And, and then God gave me two strong-willed daughters. And, and estrogen wafts through my house like it's wafting through this room right here. The air conditioning's on. You just can't feel it because of estrogen. And, and I just want you to know that, that we believe in you. We believe in you. And, and, and you don't have to prove anything here. And I, I just feel like you need to know that. Uh, so often I see some women put this chip of equality on their shoulder, like, knock it off. I dare you. I will break. I saw you knock a bag off a lady's hair, head up here. That scared me. There was a few of you. I saw the bag came off, and there was evil hate in your eye. And we put that chip on the shoulder, like, let me just prove to you who I am. I am a woman. Hear me roar. Roar. Right? And perhaps this is fueled by, by, by some of the cultural and, dare I say, narcissistic cultural norms that we live in that just scream, I've got to show the world how great I am. I've got to prove how truly magnificent I am. I read a, a quote from a book that was published two years ago, and, and, and the quote terrified me. It said, if you truly want to be respected by the people you love, you must prove to them that you can survive without them. Oh, wow. And I thought, that's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. You were created for connection with God and with each other. But yet this summarizes the culture that we live in. And listen, we need connection. That's why the fear of rejection is so powerful. We desperately need people in our life, and yet we're equally terrified that they won't accept me. And so in a response, like a preemptive response, we throw up a wall like, I dare you to knock that chip. I don't need you. And I just want you to know, man, you don't have to prove your worth here. We believe in you. I believe in you. I feel like some of you need to hear that from a man. I don't know your heritage and what your background is, but man, we believe in you. You don't have to, to prove your worth. And some of you might feel the need to prove your worth because somewhere in the past, you, you might have been taken advantage of or neglected or violated. 
And the residue of that moment has stuck with you. There was a girl, my wife and I were youth pastors for many years before we became senior leaders. And there was a girl in our youth and she would come weekly. Some friend brought her and, and her name was Jessica. And every time she'd walk in, it was like she would have this like strut going on. And she was like this tiny petite girl, but we were terrified of her. I, I'm going to be honest. And she had this, this chip on her shoulder just trying to prove her worth and and we couldn't understand it because, man, my wife and I, we love you, man. You're in. We, we got you. But, but upon further inspection and further conversation, we found out that her biological father had sexually molested her for like seven or eight years. And when they went to the authority, he, he took off and he ran. They still don't know where he's at. In ninth grade, she was molested by a teacher. Her mom got remarried and her stepfather was physically abusing. She would show up to church with black eyes the size of Texas. And we were trying to, to, to do something about it, but they actually had someone in cahoots with them with child protective services. So we literally recorded an episode just to get her to safety. When I played back the recording of her stepfather literally physically abusing her, the most terrifying notion was hearing her mom in the background yelling at her to shut up. And I thought, yeah, no wonder. You feel the need to prove your worth because everyone in your world who should have been strong for you, who should have protected you, everyone in her life that should have been there told her with their actions and their words that she had no value. And I just want to take a moment to just apologize to you right here, right now for some of the behavior of maybe the men or the women who failed to honor you. I just want to apologize to you for the people who failed to recognize the value in you, who mistreated you or neglected you or made you feel insignificant and created that need to put the chip on the shoulder, the, the moments that someone failed you in a way that no one should have, when they walked out on you or abused you or violated you or took advantage of you or cheated on you, I just want to apologize that there was a moment that like that that happened to you that Maybe the residue has created the notion that you've got to prove your worth and you did not deserve that. You did not deserve that. You're, you're greater and better than that. And somebody failed to see that and they're idiots, you're not. You're worth more than the actions taken, the words spoken, the safety told, stolen or the vows broken. There's not a single person on this planet who can steal your worth, and I just want you to know that. I think you're awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're pretty awesome. Turn to your other neighbor and say, yeah, you are too. Hey, we're behind you. And if you call the movement church home, man, you don't have to prove anything. And I know these other great pastors, you don't have to prove anything at their church either. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them on this stage. We, we want to empower you to be who God's created you to be. Not because you're a woman, but because you're a child of God. Amen. My favorite scripture on the topic is found in Galatians 3.28, and it says, we, are no longer, we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female. Why? Because we're all one through the union with Jesus Christ, with no distinction between us. I believe in you. We believe in you because he believes in you. He loves you more than you could ever know. He's already assessed your value, and he's placed the highest value on you because of who Jesus is. So everybody take a deep breath and be free. Be free. You have nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. Be free. Take a deep breath. Everybody take a deep breath again. Take a deep breath. Now everybody reach up and take the proverbial chip off your shoulder and throw it at the neighbor in front of you. Choose forgiveness, choose wholeness. I like how the writer of Psalms says it. In Psalm 46.10, he says, this is great. Surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. Another translation says, be still and know that I 
am God. He assessed your value and he paid the highest price in Jesus. Cultural norms may have failed you and the people around you may have failed you and they might have have placed unnecessary failure, but you need to know you don't have anything to prove here. Now here's the challenge is that there are other pressures in our world because sometimes our past choices apply pressure to who we are and that leads me to point number two. Hopefully I'll go a little bit faster now. (laughs) Point number two is this, don't allow who you were to influence who you become. Write that down. Don't allow who you were to influence who you become. Here, let me say it another way. Stop giving your past permission to influence your future. Some of you in this room are held captive, literally held captive by the shame and the regret of past choices. You're rehearsing it over and over again. Maybe moments, listen, when you were intimate with someone you weren't married to. Or perhaps it was a moment where you got pregnant before marriage. And that moment, just, you can't seem to get rid of that. Or maybe there's some of you who you can remember walking up the steps to the clinic just before having an abortion. I know how the enemy works, and he replays these things over and over in our mind. Maybe for you, it was months or years spent addicted to a substance. And you can think through the lies that you told or perhaps the things that you stole. Or maybe it was the vows that you broke whether in a physical encounter or even in an emotional one. And we think back to our past and and it begins to affect our present. Maybe it was some decisions or choices made in a drunken stupor, but regardless of the choices of your past, if they haunt you today and suffocate your tomorrow, it ain't your past, it's your present. If your past choices haunt you today and suffocate your tomorrow, it is not your past, it's your present. So stop allowing who you were to influence who you were created to become. Now look at me for a moment. Let's push pause. Let's be honest. If you're here and you're still making stupid choices, those aren't in your past. They're right now. (laughs) Stop it. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop it. Turn to your second neighbor. You're better than the other person. Tell them right now. Maybe for some, y'all got a kick out of that one. Maybe for some of you, the next step is not to start making the right choices, but just stop making stupid ones. That's a good, that's a great New Year's resolution for some of us in this room. Just, just stop making the stupid choices. If, listen, if it's a lie, don't tell it. If it's not yours, don't take it. Listen, if it ain't about you, don't share it. You're welcome. Write that one down. If it's not about you, don't share it. If it's illegal, don't do it. And if he ain't your husband, don't do him either. Amen? Is that all right? Is that all right? If you're walking in sin, stop it. That one worked. All right. It's good. All right. If you're walking in sin, listen, stop it and go to God with it. My favorite scripture is found in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If it's in your past, stop inviting it into your present. Just stop it. It's only going to keep you from stepping into the future that God has for you. Listen, Jesus doesn't see you through the lens of your sin and shame. We do that. Humans. We, we negatively label people based on their behavior, whether it's good or bad. Someone who is uncoordinated, we call them clumsy. If they're intelligent, they're a nerd. Are you tracking with me? If they say no to peer pressure, they're a goody-goody. When you go to an AA meeting, you start the meeting by saying, Hi, hey, my name is Carrie, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> Obviously, none of you have been to AA because you didn't say hi, Carrie, so... And I, I love what, what those, those 12-step programs do to help people get free of that substance abuse. But I hate that beginning moment. I'm going to give myself this label of who I was and who I'll always be. Yeah, so good. I received a call from a parent whose teenage son was caught uh, with some drugs. And it took him into a tailspin. And subsequently, he was threatening suicide, locked himself in his room and I drove over immediately, said, hey, listen, if you're really scared, you need to call the cops right now. And I 
get there to their house and mom and dad come out. I get the boy to come out and sit down and all three of us sit down in the living room and he starts to share how he was depressed and he felt insignificant and, and hopeless and he was using the drugs to just numb out and when his parents found out, they freaked out on him and he just kind of went crazy and so I said, okay, mom and dad, give me some backstory. What's going on here? And the dad, he begins to tell and, and, and start with their story and he decided to wind the clock 16 years back and how their marriage was in a rough patch and it started that way because she got pregnant and then he looked at me and he pointed at the boy and he said with a grin, he was a mistake from the start. And I thought, no wonder. No wonder he feels hopeless. I don't care if the dad was joking or not. Labels. Labels. And we, we give them to ourselves. We give them to ourselves. If you're labeling yourself with your past, it's prohibiting you from stepping into your future. You need to know that. Now, let me show you how Jesus' heart toward you. Can I do that? Psalm 103, verse 10. I love this. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. That's great news right there. Maybe some of you are more holy than me, but for me, that's, I'm a sinner. Anybody else in here a sinner? Raise your hand. Okay, good. The rest of you are liars. So you, you qualify as a sinner. Congratulations. <laughs> He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. Look at this. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the sun rise from the sunset, he has separated us from our sins. No labels, no sin, just grace. Stop allowing who you were to influence who you will become. Number three, you guys doing okay so far? Number three, or three fear only has the power you give it write that down I see two of you writing the rest of you looking at me like I'm an idiot fear only has the power that you give it you know fear is the enemy's greatest secret weapon against humanity for for literally for millennia it's his secret weapon against humanity the fear of failure the fear of rejection the fear of the unknown the fear of losing control and here's why fear is a secret weapon because he disguises it as my own thoughts. It sounds like logic and reason and experience talking. And most of the weapons that the enemy uses, I often actually feel the need to hide. Being judgmental, prideful, lustful thoughts. Lust isn't a secret weapon. I know when a person is not my spouse. You tracking with me now? But fear, fear, he confuses me and makes me think it's my own thoughts. It makes sense in our mind. It makes sense to us. It's the words that we tell ourselves and the thoughts that we think and the way that we paint pictures in our minds of the possibilities of the future. And God knew we would struggle with this, so he gave us some qualifiers, what's, what fear is and what, what's from God and what is not from God. And it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Why would God feel the need to remind us that fear is not from him? Why, why would he, he doesn't need to remind me that lust is not from him. He doesn't need to remind me that lying is not from him and stealing. He doesn't need to remind me that murder is not from him. But fear, he felt the need to qualify it. Because we've normalized our fear and thus normalized our inaction as a result. Because my fear doesn't actually look, taste, or smell like fear. Then I unintentionally mask fear in shrouds of wisdom. I'm just not ready yet. It's just not quite time. Maybe later. You know, the, the greatest conundrum to me, and probably the reason we exist as a church, is to create a space where people who are so far from God that they don't even know if they believe in Him feel welcome in this home. Because the one thought that, that seems to prevent people from walking through the doors of the church is this thought that I've got to get cleaned up first before I get to God. I've got to get things in order. I'm just not quite good enough yet. And those are the same thoughts of fear. 
God knew we would struggle with this. That's why he told us what is from him, power, which is boldness, courage. God always puts courage in. Love. The scripture says that perfect love casts out all fear. And a sound mind, which means clarity and peace. And this key word right here, hope. If the stories you're telling yourself don't end in hope, it probably is fear. Are you tracking with me this evening? And the thing about fear is when I recognize it as fear, I actually do something about it. When I realize I'm just scared, I, I just, I end up doing something about it. I'm just so proud. I just saw my daughter and Abby walk in and they just had a, two back-to-back musicals today to perform Mary Poppins. We got to go to the first act. It was awesome. Chim, chimney, chim, chimney, chim, chim, cherie. Oh, sweepers. As I'm not going to go any further. And building up to it, they're nervous, and there's some anxiety. And I said, you're going to be afraid? Yeah. I said, what are you going to do? She goes, 20 seconds of courage. 20 seconds of courage. I was like, that is so good. And then just punch a kid if you need to. That's fine, too. Fear only has the amount of power that I give it. And Netflix released a film. And in one weekend, nearly 50 million people watched it. Bird Box. Any watchers? You're going to hell for watching that horror. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Yes, I did. It was good. I also screamed. It was awesome. And the, the whole movie, I'm spoiler alert. <laughs> the whole movie is about this enemy in the film who caused victims to see their greatest fear. And then this fear drove them insane to the point of death. And the kicker is, listen to me, no one else, no other characters could see what they were afraid of. They couldn't see it. It was right here. And they, they only saw the devastation that this fear would bring. So to survive, they had to cover their eyes. And by doing so, they removed the power of the enemy. And some of us in this room, we're facing, all of us are facing an enemy who's doing the same thing to people in this room every single day. But he's painting it as images of your own thoughts and logic and reason. So look at me, stop giving fear power in your life. When God's involved, so is courage, love, joy, clarity, and hope. Hope. That's the nature of God. It's who He is. So remember, fear only has the power that you give it. This is making sense tonight. Number four. You ready for number four? We're so close. Do you feel the finish line? We're so close. Are you ready? Number four. Your design is not a deficiency. Your design is not a deficiency. Stop looking at your, look right here. She's just going to the keys. It's okay. Everybody's like, what's happening? <laughs> There's a woman on the stage. Am I in bird box right now? What is happening? She's going to play something pretty. It means I got to hurry up and wrap it up. Stop looking at, look at me, your personality or your skill set or your talents with disappointment, disdain, or delusions. Stop looking at your personality, your skill set, or your talents with disappointments, disdain, or delusion. Disappointment says that if I had what she had, things would be different. If I was more like so-and-so, if I could act like, behave like, talk like, sing like, Lead like, serve like, so-and-so. It's the idea of almost, but not quite. And then here's what we do. Because we live on the island of comparison, and we steep in our disappointment. Because we measure our talents and personality, our skill set in comparison to everyone and everything else. And as a result, we feel disappointed and then we steep in that. 
Steeping happens when water extracts the flavor from a tea bag, right? And so when we steep in our disappointment, we're extracting the flavor of comparison. We're extracting the flavor of disdain. We're extracting the flavor of not good enough. Almost, but just not quite. If I had what she has, if I was more like so-and-so, it's the flavor of if only. If only. The flavor of almost. I'm, I'm almost good enough, but just not quite. I got to tell you, that's the, the plague in my life as I just ruminate on this idea in my weakest and darkest moments that I'm just not good enough. And in the moments where I feel like I'm, I'm good, it's still not good enough. And here's the kicker. If I steep on disappointment long enough, I believe there's this natural inclination that we have and it's called blame. When we steep on our own disappointment long enough, our slippery slope, our natural inclination is blame. I'll tell you why. Because I'm so disappointed with myself and this internalization is going on, but I've got to do something with it because I've got to live with my mind. And if, if I'm over-processing and over-analyzing my disappointment, it has to go somewhere. And so I naturally look externally and unintentionally begin to assess blame. Like I said, we were youth pastors. I got so many great stories being a youth pastor. And I had this dad reach out to me about his son. Hey, I just found these texts. He was sending inappropriate pictures and asking for inappropriate pictures from another girl in the youth ministry. And we need to meet, Pastor Kerry. Okay. So go over there, sit down. Son's hanging his head in shame. Dad said, I hate these dumb cell phones. I was like, <laughs> The truth is, your son's a human, and he has some character flaws. <laughs> and he's a sinner, just like you and me. How many of you in here are sinners? Can you raise your hand for me? Okay, thank you. But upon further inspection, peeling back the layers, I found out that the father had struggled with his thought life as well. And actually, there was infidelity earlier in their marriage. And so every time that he felt the need to talk to his son. He felt guilt about talking to his son about his son's thought life. So you know what he did? He didn't. He didn't talk. He felt so guilty about things that he just didn't. And so it was less painful for him to point the finger at a cellular device rather than dealing with the disappointment of his shortcomings. And we do this when we steep in our disappointment. Because we've internalized it so much that now if somebody else, it, it's got to be somebody else. Why is it that they don't see the talent in me? Why don't you see my value? We put that chip back up on our shoulder. Don't you see what I can do and who I am? What's wrong with you? We steep in our disappointment. And then, listen, we weave this into every interaction and relationship that we have. All because I took inventory of my design and I found myself wanting. But look at me in the eyes. Your design is not your deficiency. It reveals your destiny. It reveals your destiny. Why? Because it was handcrafted by the creator of the universe. The one who knelt down in the dirt and formed a man and breathed life into his lungs. Can you imagine the son saying, man, I'm just so gassy all the time. All these hot flashes, people complaining about the UV rays. I didn't mean to give you cancer. Why can't I be more like the moon, just rotate and reflect? That was really funny. I'll let that sink for a minute. Rotate and reflect. But no, the sun shines bright, rises with certainty, and sets with majesty. 
And you know what I say every time I see a sunset? Seven years strong in Southern California, I still take 150 pictures and I still post it on social media. And I do add filters and I say no filters for my friends in Texas. Yes! Hashtag no filter, Texas sucks. Look at the ocean. And I say, man, the majesty. God, you are absolutely amazing. Look at your creation. You're absolutely amazing. Psalm 19.1 says, God's splendor is a tale that is told. His testament is written in the stars. Space itself speaks his story every day through the marvels of the heavens. His truth is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, showing his skill in creation's craftsmanship. Each day gushes out its message to the next, night with night, whispering its knowledge to all. All of creation points to the majesty of his hand and his creation. And for some reason, you feel you are the exception. You feel like he made it right with everyone else but you. As if there's some flawed deficiency with you. Looking at your design as a deficiency is the same as the sun refusing to rise. Here's three things I do know when it comes to your design. Number one, you need Jesus. You're not strong enough on your own, but he is. In fact, the scripture says that in my weakest moments, he is made strong. You can't do this without him. Number two, your design needs refinement. So you haven't arrived yet, and that's okay. Your design needs refinement. If you're loud and boisterous, you may need to learn the art form of the ancient Greece, which is shutteth upeth. Can I get an amen? If you're quiet and subdued, you may need to know that your personality in your voice actually matters. You may need to know that we want to hear what you have to say. Your design does need some refinement. You you haven't arrived and that's okay. That's okay. Maybe you have a great voice. Awesome. Keep taking lessons. You haven't arrived yet. Maybe you're amazing at administration. Awesome. Dominate it, then teach it. You haven't arrived yet. Listen, perfection nor comparison are the benchmark. Let me tell you what it is. Look at me in the eyes. Let me tell you what it is. Giving 100% and viewing failure as a catalyst for growth. So you need Jesus. Your design needs refinement. And listen, the world needs you. Oh, the world needs you. The world needs you. When you hide behind your feelings of deficiency, you rob me and the person seated next to you. I love how my paraphrase of Psalm 19.1 is read. God's splendor is a tale that is told. His testament is written in Kindle and in Gurley, in Brooklyn and Alicia. His testament is written in Sydney and in Crystal. Humanity itself speaks his story day after day through the marvels of Becky. We can just replace these natural, these elements of nature and put our name in because that's the way God designed us. His truth is on tour in the voluptuous beauty and the effervescence of Megan Robinson. (laughs) Woo! Showing his skill in the women of Orange County. Your design reveals your destiny and it's beautiful. You ready for point number five? We're almost finished. Point number five. It's time. It's time. Write it down. It's time. 
this time. You were created for this moment. This moment in time to make history right here in this region. So what are you waiting for? Hey, you don't have anything to prove. We believe in you. We believe in you. Your, your past no longer has power to influence who you become. Collectively, together, we're going to remove the power that fear has in our life. And your design, it is revealing your destiny. It is time. Stop waiting. Step into the fullness of what God has for you. Stop waiting and step into the fullness that God has for you. I love the song that we sing. I am who he says I am. He is for me, not against me. I am who he says I am. How many of you would just be honest for a moment and just say, you know what, Pastor Kerry, you're right. At least one of these points talked to me and it is time for me to step into God, what God asked for. Would you raise your hand? Oh, man. If you raise your hand, I tricked you. Would you stand to your feet <laughs> with your high heels on? I want to pray for you. And we're going to sing this song one more time. And, and it was so amazing to sit on this front row and hear you guys singing. Oh, man. You, most of you have beautiful voices. <laughs> no, you sounded amazing. And, and, and we're going to sing it in a minute after I pray. And you're going to sing it for the audience of one. As a reminder that he really is for you. Here's what I want to ask. Would you do me a favor and just turn your hands like this. It's a position like you're receiving a blessing. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And I pray that God does something amazing. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes and your hands lifted up like this. God, I thank you that you're up to something magnificent. God, I thank you that your promises are for us and not against us. They're yes and amen. I come against every moment where the enemy tried to steal their value and their worth. I come against every lie that was spoken over their life in the name of Jesus. And I speak the truth of your word that you have plans for them, plans to prosper them, to give them a hope and a future. God, I thank you that we have nothing to prove. That we don't have to allow our past to influence who we become. That fear has no hold on our life, but perfect love casts out all fear. God, I thank you that my design, their design, reveals your destiny for us. But God, above everything else, I'm grateful that it's time, right here, right now, that you're up to something big. So God, we lift our voices and our hands. We worship you with everything that we've got, with our voices, with our hearts, because we recognize that it's time. Come on, ladies. You know, I just wanna take this moment that we have as we're in an atmosphere of worship and, and we've just heard a word that's reminded us of who God says we are. And I just know that in a room full of women, like this that there's some people here who maybe that's a message that you heard for the first time maybe you walked in and the the picture of who you think you are has been formed by so many other people's opinions and labels and stigmas that they've put upon you and and i just want to encourage you tonight that god says you are his that you're chosen that you're forgiven Listen, I love that Pastor Kerry said that we cannot allow our past to determine our future. And, and I just wonder if there might be some women that are in the room today and, and maybe you're here and you've been wrestling with faith. And maybe you've honestly just been wrestling with faith because your picture of God has been a picture that was created for you by the, the wounds and the pains and the things that you've experienced in your life. Maybe you never had a father that told you that he believed in you. I don't, I don't know your story. Only you know your story. I, I just want to tell you that you have a God in heaven who loves you enough that I, I honestly believe he moved heaven and earth to get you here tonight. And I just want to take a moment because to walk in this, 
this design that God has for us, to step into the fullness of all that God has created for each and every single one of us, we've got to know Him. Listen, there's just something about knowing who God is and, and He wants to know you as well. And, and I just wanna give you the opportunity if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you have, but it's been a long time and if you were honest, you just feel like you've been running from God. Maybe you've been hurt, maybe you've been angry, Maybe coming tonight was even a challenge for you because to be in a church again, you weren't sure about that. But I just want to encourage you that I, I believe that God has you here for a purpose. And there's nothing that you have to do to get everything right in your life before you decide to follow Jesus. It's simply a moment and it's a decision. It's not just a good feeling. We don't just come into a room and go, oh, this sounds good. No, we actually have to make a decision, but it's this decision that is a free gift from God. He says, you're chosen, you're chosen. And so I just wanna take a moment and pray a prayer and I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. And I'm, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I won't ask you to get out of your seat tonight and I'm not even gonna ask you to pray out loud. But all around this room, if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I believe that tonight is your night. Don't leave here without a relationship with Him. And, and, and listen, there's just, it's exhausting to try to do it on your own. We don't come to a place of fully understanding our identity until we understand our identity through Christ. And so I just wanna pray for you. And I'm gonna ask every woman in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, nobody moving or leaving just yet. But if you're here tonight and and you need to make a decision to say, I'm, I'm gonna choose to follow Jesus. I, I may not know what it all looks like, but I'm tired of doing it on my own. If you need to make that decision tonight, whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time, I'd like to pray with you. And, and every head is bowed, every eye is closed. There's no one looking around, but I would love to know who I'm praying with. So if you're here and you know, like this is, this is the moment for me, and this is why I'm here. I'm just gonna ask you on the count of three to slip your hand up and then slip it right back down and I'm gonna pray a prayer with and for you. So if you're here and that's you, would you do me a favor? No one's looking around. On the count of three, if that's you and you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus, would you slip your hand up and slip it right back down? You ready? One, two, three. Awesome, I see those hands. Anybody else? Awesome, awesome. If you're here and this is you, just let this prayer be the, the prayer that you pray between you and God, quietly in your own heart. Say, dear God, I know that I have sinned. I know I've tried to do this on my own and I'm, I'm tired of doing it my own way. And I ask you to forgive me. Today I make a decision to follow you. And all around the room, if that's you and that is the decision you're making just between you and God, let these be the words that you pray. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. And God, I pray for every woman in the room that is here today. God, I thank you that it's not by accident that she is here. God, I thank you that you created her with purpose. God, that her design, Lord Jesus, is unique and it's, it's created to reveal her destiny. God, I thank you, God, that you have a purpose for each and every woman in this room. God, I thank you that we don't have to be bound by fear. We don't have to be bound by our past, but God, we can look to our future with our hope placed fully and confidently in you, knowing that you have good things in store for us, and we can walk with our shoulders back and our head held high, knowing that we are chosen, that we are called, that you are a good father, and that you are making a way for us. So God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah. Give God a hand clap. Come on up. This is my friend Chris you met earlier, and she just had something to share. Just really quickly, I hope this is okay. Did this mission to you. Um, I just really would, there are some of us who have made a decision to serve Jesus. And we've sat in here in places just like this and we've sung these songs over and over. And we actually do start to believe who God says we are, yet we still don't step into the fullness of what He has for us. And so some, at some point, and the Lord's really been wrestling with this with me for quite a while, at some point it becomes less about fear and more about obedience. Because it's really easy for us to go, 
fear of failure, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. And at some point, we actually take the words that these guys say and we go, wait a minute, it doesn't matter if I fail because in the back of my head, I know failure is actually propelling me forward. But I can't remember if it's First Samuel or Second Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice. And sometimes it's so easy for us to say, I don't need to write the book because somebody's already said what I'm going to say. And I don't need to start the business because it already exists out there. But I would say to you, and these guys would say to you, that there is a place at the table, there is a seat at the table with your name on it, and nobody can bring what you're supposed to bring. And so I would love for us to just maybe take a moment, if you would lead us in prayer, and just take a moment to repent and ask the Lord to forgive us for our disobedience and to say, regardless of what it will cost me, my pride, my failure, I will come and I will do the thing that you are asking me to do because you have called me as a believer to be obedient. So, okay. Father, I just, I thank you so much, Lord, that we would be in a place of humility, that we would be in a place where we can humbly come before you and we can repent in our hearts before you. Would you forgive us, Jesus? for when we have put our fear of failure above that which you have called us to do. Lord, I thank you so much that just in our, our small attempt to come in and say, I'm so sorry, that you would give us the grace that we need, the boldness and the power to believe that we can actually do what you say we can do because it's not us doing it, it's you doing it through us. So really it's a trust issue. Help us to trust you that you'll do it if you've called us to do it. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's good. I love how God leans in in just moments like this and, and challenges us and reminds us the very thing that he wants us to grab a hold of and walk out of here with. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.